0: and fed yesterday's coke to the flames, coaxing the fire, building it, until burning charcoal lay two inches deep on the tuyere. He lit the lamp, then unearthed his blade from the ashes in which he'd buried it overnight. He'd taken two days to straighten and harden the steel, six inches in the blade and four in the tang. Knives he'd made before, but this was his first dagger, and the requisite skill was multiplied in the weapon's double-edged symmetry and the forging of strength in the spine. He hadn't perfected the symmetry, but the edges didn't roll beneath a file. He blew away the ash and sighted down the bevels and found no warp or screw. With a damp rag he wiped the blade clean and worked its either surface smooth with pumice. Then he polished the blade until it gleamed dark blue with powder of emerald and butter. Now would his art be tested in the temper... On the charcoal bed he laid a quarter inch of ash, and on the ash the blade, and watched the colour creep through the steel, turning it face over face so the heat remained even. When the cutting edges glowed as pale as fresh straw, he pulled the blade clear with the tongs and plunged it into a bucket of damp soil. Burning vapours spiralled with a smell that made him heady. In this first quench, by his grandfather's law, the blade laid claim at its birth to the power of all four elements, earth, fire, water, and air. Such a blade would endure. He rebuilt the coal bed and layered the ashes on top, and took the lid from his second quench, a bucket of horse piss. He'd collected it the day before, from the fleetest horse in the village. Can I watch, Matthieu?" For a moment his sister's voice vexed him. This was his work, his place, a man's place, not a place for a five-year-old girl, but Britta adored him. He always saw her eyes glow when she looked at him. She was the baby of the family. The death of two younger brothers before they could walk remained always at the back of Matthias's mind, or rather not their deaths, but the memory of his mother's grief and his father's silent anguish. By the time he turned, his anger was gone, and he smiled to see Britta in the doorway, her silhouette doll-like in the first grey rumour of dawn. She wore a nightshirt and clogs, and she clenched her hands about reedy arms as she shivered. Matthias took off his coat as he walked over and slipped it round her shoulders. He picked her up and sat her on the sacks of salt inside the door. You can watch from here as long as you stay back from the fire. The bargain wasn't ideal, he could see, but she didn't demur. Are Mama and Goethe still sleeping? He asked. Britta nodded. Yes, but the village dogs are barking. I was scared. Matthias cocked an ear. It was true. From down the hill came a chorus of yaps and snarls, absorbed by the crackle of the forge he hadn't noticed. They must have found a fox, he said. Or a wolf, he smiled. The wolves don't come here anymore. He returned to his blade and found it cool enough to touch. He wiped it clean and laid it once more on the fire. He was tempted to pump the bellows, for he loved the surge of life within the coals, but if the color rose too fast, the core of the steel might weaken, and he resisted. Why don't the wolves come here any more? Matthias flipped the blade. Because they're afraid of us. Why are the wolves afraid of us? The edges flushed dark fawn, like a deer's coat in autumn, and he grabbed the blade with the tongs and flipped it again. And yes, the color was even and rising still, with magentas in the spine and tang, and the second quench was upon him. He pulled the blade from the forge and plunged it into the urine. The hiss was explosive, and he turned his face from the acrid, ammoniac steam. He began at once to say an ave. Halfway through, Britta joined in, stumbling over the Latin, and he continued without waiting, timing the quench by the pace of the prayer until he'd finished. Then he pulled the smoking steel from the caustic brew and buried it down in the ash box and wiped his brow. The second temper was done. He hoped well enough. The pungent bite of the piss quench would impart itself to the metal and keep its sharpness keen. Perhaps too, he hoped, the fleetness of the horse would quicken the dagger to its mark. For the third quench, most magical of all, he would take the glowing blade out to the dense green grass by the vegetable patch and temper it with a newly fallen dew. No waters were more pure, for no one had ever seen them fall, even if they stayed wakeful through the night, and they flowed from heaven. Some believed them the tears God shed for his children while they slept. Through such cooling dew, the spirit of the mountain would bind to the dagger's heart, and its purpose would all